Last week, we spoke on the greatest commandment. It was also our family dedication. If you missed last Sunday, a special time. I feel like a great special time in our church, uh, dedicating families to raising their children um, in God's word, in God's church, by God's spirit. And then we celebrated with baptisms last Sunday as well. Um, But last week, we spoke about my prayer for the next generation, and we highlighted the fact that if we can raise a next generation that loves God with all their heart and loves people, man, that, that is what is called success. To raising, raising the next generation that truly loves God and truly loves people. As we know, we are, we are seated in the midst of the final week of Jesus' life, the Passion Week it's called. Um, we are walking this journey with him. Nearly one-third of the book of Mark is simply the last week of Jesus' life. So there's a lot that goes on during this week. He's teaching people. He's still performing a couple of miracles, but he's acting a little differently. He is, he is making, he's staking his claim a little more boldly than he has in the previous chapters and in the first three and a half years of his ministry. But today we're going to see a comparison in Mark chapter 12 of between two completely different types of people. A certain type of scribe and a certain type of widow. In fact, today's sermon title is simply Scribes versus Widows. Scribes versus widows. Jesus begins his teaching. In verse 38, he says, Then he said to them in his teaching, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplace, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. These certainly could be two standalone messages, but I today want to draw your attention to a comparison between the scribes, and, and may I be fair, In our previous sermon last Sunday, it was the scribe who came to Jesus to ask about the greatest commandment. And if you remember, Jesus commended the scribe. We had said the first questions before that were made from a false pretense out of a false heart. But Jesus commends the scribe in asking the question about the greatest commandment. And so we're not broad brushing the scribes in general. We're saying this type of scribe. And we're going to make a comparison to this type of widow. Certainly not all widows were there at the treasury giving all that they had, right? So we are 
discussing and comparing today this scribe and this widow. Heavenly Father, speak through your word. Walk us through the text today. Help us today to be moved by the text. Help us today to to love your word enough to listen to your word, enough to let your word be a part of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want us to see, first of all today, beware, okay? Beware of scribes who demand recognition. Now, you're going to hear me speak of scribes and widows. Obviously, this is within context of the, of the text here. I mean people in general. Beware of those, this morning, who demand recognition. Jesus is saying, don't be like the scribe and be like the widow, okay? Let's look at the characteristics of these two people. So the scribe in verse 38, then he said to them in his teaching, beware of the scribes who go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces. These are the scribes who when they arrive, they want to arrive in a crowd of people. They want to arrive looking the part in their long flowing robes in a crowd of people. These are people who crave acknowledgement and attention. These are those who do not appreciate entering a room without being properly acknowledged by those that are present. We all kind of know people like that. Now, they wouldn't come out and say it. But I think all of us can think, and maybe we need to introspectively look in our own lives and and see that there are often times when we do something And we want recognition. I am certain today that those who spent hours this week preparing uh, this area back here for Christmas. I know there's an innate human nature inside of us that say, hey, you know what would be really cool? As if I heard someone go, man, that looked really good. I wonder who did that. Right? There's an innate human nature in that. Listen, I I took uh, food to, to Jeff and Mandy, right? There's, uh, this week, there's an innate human nature that, that's like, when they say thank you, it's like, oh, cool. Like, yeah. I didn't, there's an innate human in wanting to be acknowledged. But we must beware. We must beware that we do not become the person that demands recognition. Let me ask you this question. When is the last time you did something for someone and they will not know who did it for them? Can I put it this way? When is the last time you gave someone something in cash when they didn't know you gave it to them instead of making sure you wrote a check so your name's on it? I can tell you that one of the joys of pastoring this church is that oftentimes, oftentimes, I have people come to me and they say, hey, I want to do something for so-and-so. Can you make, can I, can you help me make it happen without them knowing that it's me? I think this is the truth. I believe Titus has a set of drums at the house. And I don't think you still to this day know who did it, do you? I love it. They're sitting in the room. I'm not going to tell you. Someone a year ago gave Titus a set of drums. And you see, you see Titus up here help, uh, on, as a part of our band today. Someone allowed me to help them give him a set of drums for his house. And to this day, he doesn't know who did it. 
And y'all are sitting in this room right now looking at me. Whoever did it. I love it. You know what that tells me? You know what that spirit is? I don't need recognition. And may I say this? There's nothing wrong with recognition. We recognize people around here. and We recognize volunteers. and We recognize people that go above and beyond. We do those things. But there's a difference between being humbly recognized and going out of your way to want to be recognized. Does everybody understand the difference? These people love scenarios where the spotlight is on them and where recognition is given to them. They find ways out of doing things in private. Well, if I do that, if I serve in that ministry, that's not one of those ministries that's like up in front of everybody. So I don't know if I really want to commit to serving in that ministry because no one's going to really know. Beware. This is twofold this morning. It is to beware of others secondarily, but it's to beware of me primarily. As the lead pastor of this church, as an elder in this church, would I do what I do as a leader in this church if zero recognition was ever given? Jesus says to beware. Beware of those who desire the finest of clothes and the desire to be seen in the big group of people. But secondly, he also says to beware of scribes who demand perks from their privilege. Look at, look at the text. We're back in the text, Mark chapter 12. Look back at verse 38. Then he said to them in this teaching, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes. They love greetings in the marketplaces. They love these big crowds of people. And what do they like in those big crowds? Look at verse 39. The best seats in the synagogues and the best places at feasts. What do these people want? They want their privilege. They want perks. How many of you get perks, man? How many of you, let me ask you this. How many of you saved people have the Chick-fil-A app on your phone? Raise your hand. If you don't, I'm telling you. How many of you love it when you go to buy something and you have rewards turned on and it's like, I've got enough points. I can get basically my entire meal for free. Do you know who I am? I am a, uh, whatever the highest member is, red or, I don't even know, platinum, whatever it is, platinum member. I am that until 2024 already. I've, I've, I've used my app enough. Yeah, you, you can clap. I'm just going to, but uh, <laughs> we like perks. We like perks. Hey, if I spend enough money with your company, throw me a chicken sandwich every now and then. We like perks. Hey, if you fly a lot and you're a Delta Sky club member, you like the fact that while us peasants are sitting there waiting for our flight, uh, you're up there in the lounge and hanging out. I get it. While us peasants walk back to economy, you're in first class. I understand. And certainly there are perks that come with natural things in life. However, these folks are not getting perks from buying a bunch of chicken or for flying a lot. These people are walking into these, these big groups of people and they are sitting at the head of the table. They're walking in these big groups of people and they're walking in these uh, synagogues and these marketplaces and they're finding the best seat and they're sitting down in the VIP section. And doesn't this remind you of something? In Luke chapter 14, it'll be on the screen for you, Luke chapter 14 and verse 8. When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. 
And he who invited you and him come and say to you, hey, get up, give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go sit down in the lowest place. So that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Listen, the the proper thing to do is is today we're having a, a Christmas um, party for our kids' ministry, parents, leaders, kids, and that's over in room 100. And if we had nice big chairs at the ends of those tables, today it would say that you would go in and sit in one of the middle chairs. And if Pastor Aaron said, hey, you're one of our best volunteers, Rainey, we want you to come sit right at the head of this table, right? That's much better than, I'll just use you as an illustration, I'm sorry. Hey, all right, cool, you can handle it. It's much better than if Rainey walked in and sat at that nice big head chair and Aaron came in and goes, hey, um, we were actually saving this seat for somebody, for somebody else. His name is Sam. I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Sorry. But the principle here is this. If we will walk into any situation with humbleness, with humility, and we will let God and others bring us up, That is biblical Christianity. Unbiblical Christianity is to walk in and expect perks for who we are. Don't you know who I am? And then for God and others to have to say, hey, we need you to back down a little bit. Hey, let me me move you out of that seat. Let me me move you over here. I go to sports games often and... um, for lack of incriminating myself, I'll speak as though other people do this and not me ever. But if you've ever sat down and watched people that are moving seats, trying to get better seats, how many of you have ever seen that happen? Raise your hand. How many of you have ever done that? All right, there we go. All right, we got some honest people. All right, good. My hand stayed up. But if you've ever seen someone, they get, they get all the way down. You'll see them. Maybe they have, like, you know, seats up in the nosebleeds, and, and they'll, they'll make their way down, and they'll keep looking for extra seats. I got a strategy for that, by the way. Anyway, I can tell you later. Um, but, uh, but, and you see them get all the way down there where they want to be. You know, they're, they're at the 50-yard line. They're right at midcourt, and they're, they're five or six rows up, and they finally got to their seats, and then you see an usher come down. And he's got some people with him, and he looks down the row, and he's like, It's humbling. I heard, um, to, have to, to have to take the walk of shame back up to your assigned seat. You say, Josh, what is this really all about? What this is really all about is Jesus comparing a prideful scribe, a scribe who thinks he's worth maybe a little bit more than what he's really worth. He thinks he's worth those courtside tickets. And bro, you're in the nosebleeds. How much better would it be to get nosebleed seats and have a stadium person come to you and say, hey, listen, they've got some floor seats in there. I see you have some kids with you. Uh, there's empty floor seats down. Can we, can we bring you guys down? We would love for you guys to be able to enjoy this game courtside. They've never done that to me. Maybe I need to bring my kids to more games. I don't know. But beware of those who like to be in the forefront Beware of those who like to come in and command the room and sit at the head of the table. Because far too often they are humbled. 
They're either humbled by others or they're humbled by God. So we must be aware this morning. We must be aware of scribes who, who demand recognition, who demand perks. Thirdly, and very importantly, we must be aware of the scribes who degrade the vulnerable. They degrade the vulnerable. Look at verse 40, simple phrase in Mark chapter 12 and verse 40, speaking of these, this scribe who devour widows' houses. Jesus warns of these scribes who would take advantage of the less fortunate and the vulnerable. This is a, I don't believe necessarily they were going and like tearing down their homes, even though they may have been doing that specifically. But this is a, a nod to those who would take advantage and degrade anyone, but especially the vulnerable ones, the, the widows of the society, those who did not have that husband still living to help take care of their needs, especially back in the culture in that day. And these scribes, these spiritual leaders, these ones who knew the word really, really well, found themselves taking advantage of the poor and taking advantage of the vulnerable. And may I say, I wish that I could tell you this morning that that doesn't take place in the church. But may I say this, unfortunately, this morning, there are pastors who, a lot of them internet sensations, seemingly, who, who fly around everywhere, and some of them even flying around on private jets while little old ladies sit at home and give to their ministry on a fixed income. And they fly around on their jets and promise those people that God's going to bless them. And really, God's blessing the pastor. I wish I could say that in the church we don't see this, but we oftentimes see pastors and leaders in church that manipulate the vulnerable. How much can I, how much life and energy and service can I just suck out of this person's life and bleed out of this person's life until I've used them up? And then certainly someone else will be there. And I can just pull out every ounce of service and every ounce of goodwill and every ounce of goodness in them and I can use it and abuse it and then they'll move on. And certainly there'll be someone else. We must be aware this morning of those who prey on the vulnerable. I pray, we're using the word pray. I pray, P-R-A-Y, this morning that we continue to be a church who uses people in biblical ways. I want to be used. I want to be a vessel used by God. I don't want to be a vessel manipulated and used by man. And if we're not careful this morning, we can get around people who will abuse and devour and degrade the vulnerable. Listen to me this morning. I don't care what your net worth is financially from the richest person sitting in this room today to the poorest person sitting in this room today. May none of us degrade someone who's seemingly more more vulnerable. I don't care what your social status is. I don't care who knows you, who doesn't know you. I don't care what kind of dinners you get invited to or don't get invited to this morning. May we not prey upon and degrade the vulnerable. And fourthly, may we be where I'm walking right through the text today. So this is not like a a bombastic sermon. But the last one here about our scribe. Beware of scribes who display a show. Look at verse 40 in Mark chapter 12. 
They devour widows' houses, and for a pretense, they make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Here it is in a nutshell. Listen to me very quickly. These scribes perform religious acts, long prayers, with the wrong motive for a pretense. Literally speaking, they're the person who hasn't spent one minute of private prayer with God all week long. And they're in some sort of public arena and they say, O God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God of our fathers and mothers, and they wax eloquent with a prayer. And they've not spent one minute in personal prayer that week. This is someone who gets up and makes a show of their walk with God and their relationship with God, knowing that it is not truly authentic. We must beware. The way that I look at it and say it is this. We must beware of any spiritual leader who is more concerned with their kingdom than thy kingdom. We must beware of any spiritual leader who is more concerned with their kingdom than thy kingdom. I I say it this way for myself. It is not my kingdom come. It's thy kingdom come. And this scribe would make these long prayers in front of people. And listen, there's New Testament references I could have gone back to where we see the obvious fault in that. But oh, you want to call on me to pray? Let me find the most eloquent prayer. And what what are they trying to do when they do that? They're trying to make you think that they are more important and they are more spiritual than what they really are. I'd have much more respect if we were back there in our prayer circle. By the way, at about 9.30 every Sunday morning, we have a little prayer circle that lasts about five minutes. If you ever want to get here early, you can be a part of that. I would rather me call on someone to pray in that prayer circle and they say, God, I know I failed you this week and I've not even had prayer time with you this week. But God, I come before you with these needs. And I have so much more respect for that. Then, oh God, or... I had a friend of mine that used to say this. Somebody would get up and go, good morning again, Lord. Hadn't talked to you in a few minutes. Shut up, man. Good morning again, Lord. No, it's not about my kingdom come. It's about thy kingdom come. It's not about me trying to look more spiritual than I am. It's about me being authentic and real and encouraging and humble. So let's look at that. We've seen... The side of the scribes. And now, briefly this morning, and it is briefer, I promise, um, let's look at the other side. Not the ones that are all about the outside, the scribes, the ones that were all about the glory, the scribes, the ones that were not all about true, humble substance. Those were the scribes. The scribes were all bark and no bite. Let's briefly look at that opposite person, the widow. By the way, I find it interesting. Yes, the widow that the scribes would be devouring their houses. That widow. Those widows. Let's become, number one, 
like the widow who participated in giving. What? The poor, the vulnerable, the outcast, those who don't have the resources. Look at verse 41 in Mark chapter 12. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury. He was sitting there where they were receiving money. And he saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants. It would be as if, and by the way, 95% of our giving comes in online. Praise the Lord if it if it was about what's in that plate every Sunday, we would not turn the lights on this week, all right? Um, but it would be as if everyone gave in an offering plate, and Jesus was kind of standing back there going, okay, I'm just going to see what happens. Like, I'm sure none of you would ever do that. But I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to see who puts in what. Oh, there was a check? Let me go flip that check over and see. Oh, okay. And Jesus sat there, and he watched what was going on. And back in those days, your offerings were much more public. Remember, half of them were animals and Things of that nature. And so everything was a lot more public. But this lady participated. When there was an opportunity, he sees the widow come and throws in two mites. Now, depending on who you, uh, which New Testament scholars, at the most, this two mites was a, a dollar. At the most. Many think it was pennies. Even some say it was fractions of a penny. But at the most, a dollar. But she saw an opportunity for her to humbly and unselfishly give, and she gave. She participated. She was a willing giver. I was privileged to grow up in a home uh, where, my, where I saw my dad practice this. But he used to tell me all the time, son, there are two types of people in this world. There are takers and there are givers. And I want you always to be a giver. There are takers and there are givers. That's not merely a financial statement. That is a statement of who we are as people. We are either taking, sometimes taking advantage of people, or we are giving. Giving. And this widow here, the opposite of the scribe, this widow saw an opportunity to give, and she was a giver. You say, Josh, that sounds great, and I'm glad you're talking about this because much like the widow, I am poor. I'm glad you said that. <coughs> Secondly, become like the widow who gave abundantly. Who gave abundantly. Look at verse 43. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury in the previous um, uh, the, the following verse, he'll speak of the abundance that others gave in. She gave more, more than all those who have given in the treasury. You see, giving is not weighed like everything else. You do not have to have a large quantity of money, a large sum of money to give abundantly. Giving abundantly is simply this, and listen to me this morning, it is the willingness to give more than what is just sufficient. Abundant giving is the willingness to give more than what is just the requirement. And I'm, once again, I'm not speaking necessarily this morning about money. Giving abundantly says, hey, Pastor Jeff, I want to I give abundantly of myself to help the students. And so what can I do to help? Well, you can do this. Well, can I do more than that? Hey, hey, hey Tim, I would love to be a part of what you're doing in worship 
oh yeah, I can have you do this. Well, listen, I'll do anything. I'll do more. If you would, I don't want to just scrape by. I want to do, what, what can you have me do more? Is there something I can take off your plate and help you in any way? You see, it was an abundance. And abundance simply means the willingness to give more than what is required or more than what is just sufficient. That's not a set number that Jesus ascribes to this abundant giving. It was just that she was willing to put in abundance, more than even others that were giving in their abundance. She put in more. She gave abundantly. You see, what we're already noticing is the scribes were all about getting attention and getting glory and getting recognition and getting and getting and getting. And the widow was all about giving and giving and giving. Finally, I love this. Be like the widow who gave all. She gave all. Verse 44, for they, the others, they all put out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had. Her whole livelihood. This widow, she held nothing back. She gave it all. Now certainly here, this is, Jesus was looking specifically at financial offerings. But this is a much bigger truth than merely what someone gives an offering or clicks a link or whatever you do. This is a widow that says, I don't have much, but my whole being, who I am, what I have, and everything about me, it belongs to you, Jesus. It belongs to you, God. It is yours. And I ask you this question. I'm not going to ask you, does Jesus have a percentage of your money? I'm going to ask you this question. Does Jesus have all of your money? Does he have all of it? You see, he's not a cruel savior. Jesus having all of my money does not mean that I give all of my money to the church. Jesus having all of my money means that I spend my money and give my money in a way that honors Jesus. Does Jesus have all of your downtime? That doesn't mean every bit of your downtime means to be coming to the church here or going and, 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 and serving at a a ministry or a nonprofit. Sorry, Tim. Just kidding. Um, but uh, no, it doesn't necessarily mean that. But does Jesus have all of it? Does Jesus have all of your family time? That doesn't mean all your family time needs to be reading the Bible together and you know watching you know terribly made Christian movies. No, it could mean. Then I'm just saying, God, whatever we do with our time, whether it's on vacation or whether it's going to, 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 to play this uh, sports or we're going to this park or we're going to do this or that or we're going out to eat here or we're going to do this. Hey, I want you to be, you can have all of this. You can have all of this. And so my question today is not, widow, can Jesus have your two mites? It's no. Instead of wanting glory and recognition and honor and praise 
can Jesus just have it all? Here's what I know about him. When we give him our all, he gives back to us. What does the Bible say? Press down, shaken together, running over. By the way, if you only use that text because of, uh, in financial giving, you're borderline prosperity gospel preaching. There's a tiny sliver of that that I believe means monetary giving. The principle is, if we will give of ourselves, if we will release and we will let go and we will surrender, God will give back to our hearts. He'll give back to our lives. He'll give back to us in abundance, overflowing. So we have two people, scribes, widows. One has position and power and uses the position and power and all of its advantages as he puts on a show. The other is humble and vulnerable, but willing to give it all. Willing to give it all to Jesus. And Jesus makes it clear that his kingdom consists of people like the widow. And woe to the one who exists like the scribe. I ask you this question today. Would you, have you ever come to Jesus like the widow? Have you ever come to Jesus with no other hope? Some people in this room could be awaiting the step of salvation, of faith in Jesus. And I want to ask you today to be willing to come as this widow. You say, Josh, I don't have much to give. Okay. Let me help you. Let me give you two mites that you, anybody in this room who's never given their life to Christ can give. You know what you can give? You can give two mites today. Just like this widow gave two mites. It wasn't a ton, but it was two mites. You can give your sin, and you can give your heart. Can I help you? Widow, you can give your sin, repent. And then you can give your heart, believe. That is the gospel. This morning, could I encourage you to give your two mites? If you've never experienced a real relationship with Jesus, just give him your sin. Repent of your sin. Just give him your heart. Believe the good news. Mark chapter 1, Jesus came preaching. Repent and believe gospel you can come to Jesus but you cannot come to Jesus like the scribe you cannot come to Jesus wanting the recognition you cannot come to Jesus wanting the credit you cannot come to Jesus in your pride you must come to Jesus with humility like this widow I've got nothing At the mo- I got a dollar But I will give you my sin, and I will give you my heart. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. 
If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.